The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Oh my God, I'm totally ready. Let's get radical, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, Jody, I don't know about you, but it is so hot here in Brooklyn. I, you know, I've been traveling around for the last month and always by the ocean, but I, now I'm back in Brooklyn in the concrete jungle, so to speak. And it's like, wow, it's so hot. Is it hot in Chicago? Um, no, I would say it's pretty nice for Chicago weather. It's not too humid. And um, I'm excited because you're going to come see me in Chicago next week. I know. I'm leaving on Sunday. I'm starting to pack. I'm getting so excited for Sage Summit, you know. Um, it's going to be really cool. They have a lot going on. So it's going to be like they have a, a lot of really great speakers. They have mentors that people can go visit and talk to about their business. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched. And we're actually going to be, you know, um, reporting, not reporting, I guess reporting live. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah. we're going to be recording live. And we'll actually, um, our listeners don't know this, but Liz and I don't sit next to each other when we record. So it's going to be a whole new dynamic to our show is us sitting next <laughs> to each other and interviewing <laughs> guests. Um, so, so for sure, stay tuned and um, listen to us at Sage Summit. Um, and it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. But I don't want to uh, take away from some time. We One of our actual our show sponsors is here with us today to talk about what I find like really exciting and really detailed and really in the weeds and good stuff. He's going to talk to us all about sales tax because he's actually from Avalara. Um, but like from an accountant, this is like a dream. This is a dream show for me. So we'll see how you do with it, Liz. <laughs> I know. I'm like sales tax. Oh my goodness! But yeah, I, I, we're. It's going to be a fantastic show because I feel like I'm going to be enlightened just like listening to Shane talk about all that's going on in in the sales tax world now and in 2007. So 17, 2007, 2017. Um. So without further ado, let's introduce Shane Radigan of Avalara, and Shane began his career as a self-employed business owner. Um, and after spending 10 years in the motorcycle business, he returned to college to gain a bachelor's in accounting and a bachelor's in business administration. He wasn't done. He went on to earn his Juris Doctorate at Syracuse University College of Law in New York and his LLM Master's of Tech 
taxation at the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, Shane has spent several years counseling small business owners on tax and succession planning. He's a licensed attorney in Oregon and Washington, and Shane currently works in sales tax law and sales tax compliance with Avalara, uh, who we know is a leading provider of tax compliance automation for businesses of all sizes. Welcome to the show, Shane. And thank you very much. That's a, that's a great introduction. I, the pressure's on, though. If I have to enlighten you uh, in sales tax lore at 8 o'clock in the morning out here in Seattle. So bear with me. It might take me a few minutes to get warmed up. <laughs> yeah, we will. No, no worries. No worries. So so let's let's talk about, let's get right into it. You know, so... But first, before we get into the sales tax piece, I want I want to know a little bit more about you, Shane. So you have entrepreneurial roots, you know, specifically in the motorcycle business. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I was um, young as a young man, intrigued by things with motors and engines like a lot of kids are. And I ended mm-hmm. up uh, working summer jobs and actually through high school at a motorcycle dealership near the house and um, just got the bug. Um, he, the, the store that was there, um, he was doing real well and then got into boats and, um, like the story of some small entrepreneurs, unfortunately, got a little too big for his britches and, um, he ended up going out. And in the meantime, I had been working for a parts distributor and, um, but I went in and leased his old space and went into business for myself. It was, you know, as any small business owner, a person who counsels small business owners will tell you it's incredibly exciting. I was incredibly unprepared for it. <laughs> and then, then uh, a couple of years of running my own show, um, kind of got, kind of lost the, lost the fire for, for motorcycles. You know I mean? That's, that's times the story. Um, so I went back to school and I really wanted to learn all the things that I was, I was paying people, people a lot of money to tell me. And uh, now someone pays me money to tell them about all the stuff that I didn't know about when I was a businessman myself. So, yeah, it's an, it's an authentic uh, roots in small business and entrepreneurship. And also one from a tax perspective, too, because um, retail, so you had, like, all the special taxes with um, registering vehicles as well as, like, retail parts and taxes like that. So you really got into sales tax even before you worked for Avalara. Well, that's true, and, you know, I mentioned this on the interviews usually, and hopefully it's interesting to folks. My father was a sales tax auditor for the state of New York for his entire career for 25 years. And um, so it was just something we talked about around the dinner table, believe it or not. And it was just something I always kind of understood intuitively because, uh, you know, he was, he was around and it's ironic that I ended up doing this, but yeah, there, there's some tax in the genes as well. Besides the fact that I was a, 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 a retailer out there floating around without without a whole lot of background in it. You've got a lot of learning along the way. Yeah, that's quite a jump. And so you have sales tax in your blood, it sounds like, obviously. so yeah. um, like it or not. <laughs> like it or not, yeah. So, so how did you go from deciding, you know, being in the motorcycle business and then deciding that you actually, you know, what you wanted to study in school? I mean, going for a master's of taxation, I, I would imagine, is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that, that stuff came in order, right? You know, the, the, uh, the bachelor's degree, going to school and just wanting to get out, it really was 
um, a desire, besides just having a kind of a business tax background, my father was a small businessman on the side, and he worked for the state, but he had time to do things. Um, besides that, it, it really was um, it, uh, curiosity and trying to understand um, what my accountant was trying to tell me <laughs> or what my lawyer was trying to tell me, you know, or what my mentor was trying to tell me. I just had, I didn't really understand um, even the most basic kind of principles. And um, I just had this real curiosity for business and understanding accounting primarily. And that, that's how I got there. It was just um, not really understanding what the professionals I was hiring were, was telling me. And it was frustrating as hell, to be honest with you. That's an expensive understanding, law school and <laughs> a master's. <laughs> well, yeah, let me, let me clarify. Yeah, it came in order. You know, I, I kind of got done the, the business degree and kind of took the LSAT on a whim and kind of didn't study for it, but did really good. And I just wanted to pay for most of my tuition. So I ended up in law school. And now uh, the master's tax, that did come five years after law school. And that was after I practiced uh, accounting for a little while and then also some um, law doing um, estate and succession planning for small businesses. And I really, I recognized then that the tax element of all that planning was what intrigued me. And then, then I ended up working in sales tax for a software company. So it just goes to show, you know, you can't plan much. So Liz, I'm bonding here with Shane because I actually have a master's in tax as well. So oh yes, I do know that actually. I know I should pick your brain more about that. It's a, that's a good and so then you ended up in cloud software. So did you know when you joined Avalara how the cloud was going to kind of revolutionize the tax end of it? Or did you just kind of um, join Avalara because you knew that it was going to use your skill set of tax that you like, et cetera? Well, or did you realize what the cloud was going to do for sales tax? Probably more like part B. I mean, if you'll permit me, I'll, I'll give you the, the story of me getting hired. I had was leaving Salem, Oregon, where I was practicing to come to Seattle to get the master's. And I had agreed to do tax returns, corporate tax returns for an accountant up here while I was going to school. And um, mm-hmm. I had answered several Craigslist ads. I mean, this was 2009. So things were not exactly hopping in, the, in any industry. And I answered a bunch of Craigslist ads, and one of them was for this software company in Seattle. And they called me. I was in the parking garage leaving my office for the last time. I had had my uh, goodbye lunch that day. And Avalara called and said, hey, come interview with us. And so, no, I, I knew that I was suited on the tax side, Liz and Joey. I didn't, if you'd asked me in 2009 what the cloud was, I would have said cumulus or puffy <laughs> cotton <laughs> clouds in the sky. I mean, once I got to know these guys, yeah, I've been here seven years. You know, I believe in it deeply. I've, I've come to, believe me, my understanding is much deeper than it was. But no, I came to this just with a tax, hoping I could use my tax skills and, and frankly have a good three-quarter time job while I was going to get my master's degree. It turned into a career, though. Yeah, that's awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about um, the brand of Avalara? Because I don't know if people understand the whole cult around the orange, et cetera. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not one of the originals. I'm certainly not, not one of the founding founders, but I was there pretty early. And, um, you know, we're, we're a thousand employees strong now, but when I started, we were about a hundred. And the culture of 
making taxes uh, more relaxing and you know it, it's it's kind of goofy but it is the culture of the place so Avalara provides and then compliance solutions for all the huge companies and mainly focused on sales tax but also slowly but surely spreading into actually pretty rapidly uh, spreading into other types of transaction excise type taxes most of our 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 pride and joy is our cloud-based solution, Avatar. We do offer, though, um, rate-based solutions. You know, um, we offer a real um, uh, simple filing portal for very small businesses where they can dump their data at the end of the month and we populate forms for them, trust file. We're not here, I guess, to talk about the company. I, don't, I, know, I know that we're, we want to talk about sales tax today, but um, the automation revolution is just now really gaining force and momentum in the transaction no tax field. We're not the only ones out there, um, but it'll be in another decade or another seven years, uh, Liz and Jody, we'll, we'll be joking that, yeah, I remember when everybody used to do their own sales tax. You know, and I, I'm not joking about that. Uh, and whether it's Avalara or somebody, one of our competitors or some future iteration of it, um, yeah, the cloud is here to stay. It, it's, incredibly um, the, the, the uh, power and energy that a small company or a medium-sized company can leverage with a cloud-based solution for any of any challenge they face it's just incredible yeah. well right and that's what I think is so interesting about Avalara is how they took something that was so um, as a tax professional compliance based so wrote so um, you have to do it all the time, but yet they've turned it into this crazy orange-wearing culture that has kind of made sales tax fun, or at least the perception of fun, which um, I think it's fun, but I'm like that MST geek just like you. Um, but we're going to hear all about like sales tax when we come back in a minute, and um, so stay tuned. <laughs> From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. 
Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. So welcome back. We're talking to Shane Radigan today of Avalara. And just a, a few fun facts fr- from um, Avalara's website, which you ha- if you haven't checked out, you should definitely go. There's a lot of cool free tools and resources, avalara.com. So there's 20,000 customers, 100 million in taxes are calculated every day. Uh, and Avalara has 15 offices around the world and last year remitted $14.4 billion in taxes. So, you know, it, they're quite, you, you guys are quite a big company doing what you do. And um, so, so, Shane, we were talking a little bit about your history in the last segment, but I'm curious, what do you do for Avalara like, in the day? Like, can you just take us through like a typical day? Sure. Um, I specific role is to work in what we call our content team. So really think about it from a professional's point of view. Um, it's as though I really have one customer, one client, and that is Avalara. Of course, I work for them. I don't have a legal relationship, like a representation arrangement with them. But basically, we provide the rules and the data that the software consumes and uses to calculate taxes for folks. And when I say rules and data, um, it can be Rates, obviously, maybe the most important or most intuitive element of sales tax is getting the right rate for the right geographic location. But then also we provide um, tax rules for our customers to use that um, provide them determinations based on the types of products or services they sell. And that's that's just a constant maintenance cycle, improvement, and expansion. As we grow, we, we move into new areas of tax law, but... What it means on a regular basis, and I'm, I'm a, a principal, I'm a, I'm a senior something or other. <laughs> After seven years, it's changed so often. Um, and, and what we do, though, is we uh, uh, comb websites. We um, subscribe to all the major legal research databases, and we search for changes in laws or rules or interpretations on things like that. The other element of our content, guys, so that's rates and boundaries, and rules. The other big piece of it is our our, our filing, our reporting. We have to make sure that because um, we do a, a ton of automated filing. We, we that fourteen billion in remittance, if that's the number now. Um, that's money that we've collected, uh, calculated on behalf of our customers, 
withdrawn it from their bank accounts on the 18th or the 19th and remitted it to the state on their behalf, um, it's forms and compliance. And that's kind of the third big chunk of the, my sphere of responsibility is making sure that our, uh, our forms mapping is correct, and uh, the data is ending up there in the right so place. For, um, so for people who don't really understand sales tax, and I'm going to go a little bit basic, um, because they might not understand how state taxation is actually different than federal taxation, and then how taxes are even different between the states, that you don't just pay like 9.5% sales tax in in Illinois versus 9 or nine and a half percent sales tax in New York. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit more detail of how sales tax actually works in different states? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I think later we'll talk a little more detail about what's going on in the sales tax world and this will help set the stage for us. So yeah, it's been it's there's never a never a I hate to use the term simple, but with sales tax, it's always good to start with the basics because I think we've we understand it as consumers. We kind of get it. But to understand how it works on a multi-state national scale, um, unless you've worked and been, been paid to do it or been forced to do it because your your company's working across state lines, it's not something people always think about. So one thing, that, the first thing to keep in mind is that when it comes to sales taxes, these are all state-oriented regimes. Um, you know, this... That the taxation of these transactions has been determined over the years and the decades uh, through court cases and through um, principles of constitutional law that these types of taxes are a state-administered uh, um, levy. And what that means is, is we have potentially 50 and 51, if you count D.C., um, potentially different kingdoms um, who can collect and transact and make rules around their own sales tax in their own manner. Um, now, we have five states that lack a state sales tax, but besides those, um, we have 45 plus D.C., and each of those states has unique forms, unique rules, unique ways of reporting, unique um, principles on uh, local taxation, uh, multiple rates, exemptions, they all vary from state to state, and in a few states, it varies from locality to locality. So it's a great question, and I think it, I hope that helps kind of set the stage. Is that multi-state? Yeah, tax, and can uh, you also take it a step further and even talk about like the taxation of candy in a state or something? Because I I don't think people realize how complex sales tax is based on what it is particularly you're selling. So could you maybe give an example of something that would be taxed one way in one state and then maybe even taxed differently by the ingredients or how it's packaged in another state? Sure. I mean, understanding that all the different, the states can all have their different uh, rules and regimes and the the natural conclusion to draw is that they don't treat things all the same. (laughs) Um, You mentioned candy, food, is a great example of diversity between the many states. Um, policymakers and, and regulators love to, to pay attention to these details, whether it's Philadelphia that just passed a tax on soda um, with the stated purpose to be an uh, additional sales tax on soda, stated purpose to be public health. Um, sometimes it's a, 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 a preference 
for a certain industry or, or a certain product because of, of an industry within a state. For example, prepared food or candy is a great uh, area to talk about this complexity. Um, I'm just doing some research the other day on sandwiches. And when you buy a sandwich in a store, um, sometimes in a convenience store, it's packaged inside of a plastic bag. Um, sometimes somebody behind the deli makes it for you. Sometimes someone in the deli made it that morning and it's sitting in a cooler. Um, some sandwiches can be heated. Some must be heated. Some convenience stores provide a microwave to heat them. Some stores heat them for you. <laughs> and every single one of those individual ways of looking at a sandwich can trigger whether or not it's taxable in the state or in the locality that you're in. So I love that example because I don't think most small business owners understand the complexity of what it is they're selling and how it could be taxed differently because they see it, oh, it's a sandwich. Is it subject to tax or not? And they don't don't necessarily inherently see the value in using um, a tax professional or even a product such as Avalara to help them distill what it is that's what they're actually selling. And A, whether it's taxable or it's not taxable and how to do all the reporting around it. And, you know, the devil's in the details. And anyone who's been through a sales tax audit, um, I think, has a new understanding of why the details are so important and what small business owners should be thinking about when they start um, to sell something. Yeah, that's right. You know, and what what we're getting at here when we talk about how the state's approach similar products differently is, is characterization. You know, what, what is the state for sales tax purposes? <laughs> very important. What do they, how do they, how do they define this thing? Uh, this is a, this is a true anecdote story. I have a buddy of mine who's doing, um, uh, FBA on Amazon. He's got his little company. He's the, he's the prototypical worker out of his garage. He's doing private labeling on some teas and he, he, of course he's FBA. So he's got stock all over the country and he's, he, he is obligated to collect the report in those states. And, um, you know, we need to, and I'm just helping it out. He's a good friend. Um, yeah, he, he didn't understand on those T's. He just thought they were T. And um, they are T to everybody else besides the sales tax auditor. And we looked at 14 or 18 different states wherever he had in stock. And in some states, his T's are a dietary supplement. In some states, his T's are um, a medicine. In some T's, his states are a nutritional supplement. In some states, his teas are, believe it or not, simply tea. And this is all, and this is all very eye-opening for him. And uh, we found out that he, he, his teas probably aren't taxable in most places, so it was a relief for him. But he, we needed to really break it out, break it down, just like you're talking about, and go detailed, Liz, and say, you know, how do the states view this product that you're selling? And it's, it's a challenge. Wow. I mean, my head is spinning. Like, how does a business, I mean, literally, I mean, how does a business owner keep track of all that? Or even, you know, like Jody, you were saying, like, how do they even know that they are supposed to keep track of it? And, you know, I guess that's where the the tax professional or, you know, the automated system comes in. I mean, it just seems like there's such a big, you know, uh, space for error there. Yeah, there is. And, of course, we're only... We've, so far, we've only talked about characterizing your product. And once you've characterized the product, then the real day-to-day, at least month-to-month challenge begins, which is, 
okay, now I've determined my product is taxable in state X. How do I get the right rate on the right sales reported to the state at the right time? That's, that's where automation is obviously just, you know, saves so much time for folks. And I just have to throw it out there. We don't have to go into it, but I, I just have to throw it out here because we're right now we're still talking about tangible products that people actually physically can use. When you start talking about things such as um, cloud-based things or um, products that aren't necessarily tangible, there's still a lot of sales tax and stuff around that, which takes this conversation to a new level that I don't necessarily want to go into here, but I want like our <laughs> listeners to understand that sales tax happens a lot of times on intangible things as well. And that they don't necessarily like, at least if you have tea, it's physical and you get that. But there are a lot of people who don't even understand that a lot of it is based on tr- transmissions and other things. So I, I'm just going to like leave that out here Ooh. and then I'm going to, um, Take us to a commercial break and say when we come back, we're going to talk about a lot of the multi-state stuff and um, the issues that Shane is like awesome at. And he's going to explain that stuff when we come back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. 
You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And we're, today we're talking with Shane Radigan from Avalara, who is um, so into sales tax. He's like a sales tax and compliance guy. And um, it's really been fascinating to listen to Jody and Shane go back and forth about sales tax because, you know, this is this is their thing. And as a small business owner myself, I find I'm like having so many questions that are like, whoa, my head is spinning. I had to get some extra coffee. So, um, so, so Shane, in the last segment, we were talking about tangibles and, and your friend's tea company. And, you know, and then Jody, you said, you know, there's, um, we're not even really touching upon the intangible piece that there's a whole, you know, that that has a lot of sales tax attached to it too. So, so like, can you talk to me a little bit more about the services piece? Like if people offer services and what is intangible, obviously tea is tangible because you're actually getting the tea, but like what, what? How do you define intangible and what would that look like if you're a service-based company, you know, like myself? And the variability exists between the states in this area as well. In fact, there's probably a greater factor of variability when it comes to intangibles or services. When we're talking about intangibles, um, the most obvious one, and it's real obvious to me, is a cloud-based software solution, right? Um, Our software license or our software service agreement um, doesn't include any transfer of any, anything tangible besides the paper it's written on. It's probably probably click through at this point, right? Um, no disk, uh, no CD, no um, installing software, even code on someone else's hard drive. It's utterly intangible. The states are slowly but surely um, getting around to, to understanding this new delivery method, this new technology. Some of them are on the record. Some of them are not. Um, most of them um, look at, for example, cloud-based software. They apply the rules that apply to any old software in their state. That's the approach most of the states take. Um, suffice to say, um, if, you're, if you're involved with delivering any, anything on the cloud, you've got a sales tax issue. And you need to understand the rules and the state you're operating in. As far as services goes, um, another area of great interest uh, for regulators and legislators as we evolve as an economy, more and more of our disposable income is spent on services and less on tangible things, right? Whether it's Netflix or fast-based computer software or massages or car washes or whatever, um, the states are noticing this as revenue starts to Deep decline due to less tangible sales. And so, yes, in a nutshell, the states are looking much closer at services. In fact, North Carolina just changed their rules. So now in North Carolina, when you go to get your oil changed or to um, get a windshield replaced in your car or have somebody come to your house to fix your plumbing, um, they need to be charging you tax on the fees they charge you for labor. And that sort of thing is happening in more and more uh, states and depending on the type of service you deliver, um, you may have a sales tax issue even though you don't sell anything tangible. So are people raising their prices to reflect this? Well, now theoretically, remember that sales tax is a pass-through tax. So the tax is, um, in, in fact, in all the states, it's required that the tax is stated separately on an invoice so a customer knows it. And a vendor is 
simply an agent for the state when it comes to sales tax. So actually with pressure on businesses who are trying to comply to reduce their price because, in, at least in theory, it makes them less competitive because they now need to add on the five or six grade or for Joey in Chicago, 10% tax, whatever the sales tax is. Um, so, yeah, it affects them. And, you know, businesses that are complying are taking a, a hit on their competitive advantage when it comes to pricing. There's no doubt about it. Hmm. And so what happens when, you know, what about Amazon or if you're selling something online? How, how does sales tax differ uh, in that case? couple principles to keep in mind here, and these all, this will always be true when it comes to online sales. First one is, is that the, the rules that apply to the items that you're selling are the same rules that apply as though you were selling that item from a brick-and-mortar store next door to where your customer is. In other words, a widget sold online is taxable or not in state A based on the same rules as a widget sold from a brick-and-mortar store to a customer in state A. Um, there's, not, there's no real distinction. The second principle that, and this is, this is the tough one, <laughs> this is the principle that has many tentacles, and that is, where are you obligated to collect? In other words, uh, understanding the rules around your product is one thing, but where, do, where does a business, excuse me, have an obligation to collect? And when it comes to making online sales, and we've, seen this with Amazon. They've kind of evolved their strategy over the years, um, but the states um, can't compel you to collect unless they can prove that you've got some sort of contact in, within their state. Um, we mentioned my friend with a tea company with his uh, FBA, his uh, Fulfillment by Amazon contract. Um, when, he, when Amazon puts his teas in a warehouse in Tennessee or Delaware or wherever, um, that triggers an obligation for him to collect because that is his product that takes up physical space within a state. Um, so nexus for online sellers is that second principle. That's the difficult one, although it's, it's not intractable, but it's the important first stage that any online seller needs to understand is where am I obligated to collect? So... So obviously this stuff is pretty complicated, right? I mean, and how does the typical business owner, you know, do? Like, how do they rate with with dealing with all of this um, complexity and the changing, you know, laws and and all of it? Because I know it, it really can change very fast. How, I mean, in your experience, you know, working with small businesses, how do they how do they rate with keeping or up with it? Maybe do you know anything about compliance about how many people actually comply with sales tax who should be complying versus not complying? Well, <laughs> um, does Avalara do any studies around that? <laughs> um, none that none that I'm at uh, liberty to discuss. No, I'm joking. I no, we don't have time to worry about that stuff. But I'll tell you who would want to know is the state revenue departments, and I think they have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I, I think the revenue authorities they don't publish it, but they they probably have a pretty good idea. I, I would only be just guessing. Um, but here's what I do know, and I've seen this even in just the seven years that we've been that I've been working with Avalara. And that is, is, as the tools to comply improve, so do the tools to 
um, monitor your compliance improve as well. Um, so, you know, I, the gap, I, I would bet, based on a couple reasons, Jody, is that the compliance gap is smaller than ever. The first principle is, and this isn't just a pitch travel era, it, it, quite honestly, it's simpler and cheaper to comply multi-state sales tax than it's ever been before. But the, and the second principle is, you know who the big evaders of sales tax historically have been, guys, are cash businesses. Bars, historically at least, bars, gas stations, um, diners. Um, now, we all know, though, that, that the way we carry money around has really changed a lot. So I think the second principle that helps to close the compliance gap is that um, electronic um, transactions are so much difficult more difficult than to do like we used to do at my buddy's motorcycle shop 25 years ago, which was when a customer paid cash, sometimes we would just put it under the, under the drawer and not ring it up. Right. <laughs> right. The compliance is, closed, is but... being forced. Right. The yeah, compliance exactly. is being forced by the electronic yep. transactions. Yep. Yep. And the accountability, mm-hmm. because even Amazon sends you reports now. And I would, I would assume the states are going to start when they audit Amazon, then that trickles down to the small business owner, even though they didn't realize it because Amazon is on the state's radar. That's a, that's a great point you make there. And it's a great connection that you've drawn is, yeah, a lot of times that audit um, comes, finds the small and medium sized business through kind of a, Oh, like on the prices rate, they used to play plinko ball, right? <laughs> the audit starts at the big company. But in auditing the big company, auditors get their ears perked up when they see sales made to a smaller company, maybe where no tax is being collected or whatever it is. So, yeah, a lot of times you end up with a, um, an auditor get, uh, contacting you. They may not always tell you this is how they found you, um, but they may probably, or in many cases, found you doing a sales tax or use tax compliance audit for a much bigger company. Yeah. I mean, that. I to me, it's just amazing because everything is so connected. How, um, because everything's so connected, how much more exposure small businesses have that they used to not necessarily have, or it wasn't as apparent as it is today because of all the electronic transactions. Much more transparent. That's right. And I'll tell you, I will add this. Just I know we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on, but a few of the states now are floating regulations that are going to require companies who are not collecting to report to the states how much their sales are within the state and to report to the state who's buying that stuff and not paying sales tax, Colorado being the vanguard of this. So, you know, we'll see how the court's, deal with these laws, but yes, the states are getting very aggressive on taking advantage of the information that's out there. In other words, they, they want to see, oh, you're not collecting tax, that's fine. Tell so us what you're saying is, how much is every business would have to, you know? so what you're saying is every business, let's say in Colorado, would have to file a form that said we had no taxable sales, as opposed to today where you only have to file the form if you have taxable sales. Well, it's not quite as simple as that, but yes, principally, that's correct. If these Colorado regulations fly, there's going to be a compliance obligation for businesses that, under current rules, have no obligation to collect. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it sorts out, but the the broader point is, and it it dovetails with what we talked about earlier, this information is out there. 
And, you know, there's, there's, it's harder and harder for businesses to conduct business without leaving a record trail, and the states know this, and they, they want a piece of that information. Right, because all the states need money, and sales tax is one of their easiest ways to gather money. I mean, especially in a state like Illinois, where, you know, we're almost bankrupt. And so, you know, sales tax is one of the ways for states to gather um, additional revenue to support services, um, such as roads, et cetera, which is one of the reasons sales tax was actually enacted. So with that... um, I'm gonna. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and hear more about sales tax from Shane. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar, and I... Uh, I want to just first give a shout out to Bill.com, our, one of our sponsors. Our other sponsor is Avalara, and we're actually talking to Shane Radigan of Avalara, he, um, all about sales tax. My mind is blown, let me just tell you. I've been taking notes, and um, it's really good information for small businesses who may not 
really think about sales tax. It's it's actually you need to. So um, Shane, I, so there has been a question that is actually in the back of my mind, and I know that we have to go. We have to talk about trends or what's going to happen in 2017. But please tell me the five states that don't have sales tax. I'm dying to know. <laughs> well, it it sounds like it's it might soon be four, but um, it's Alaska, uh, Oregon, Montana. New Hampshire, Delaware. Okay. Um, Alaska has just passed some uh, rules up there um, to allow the State Department of Revenue to join the Streamlined Sales Tax Initiative, which is a whole other hour show someday. Um, but that will <laughs> okay. mean that um, Alaska is definitely taking steps. Also in Oregon, who has you know, never had a sales tax, they actually have a sales tax now. It's brand new, and it only applies to one product. So what's the one product in Oregon in the last year or so that has um, inspired its own sales tax? And it's recreational marijuana. Um, But it's probably the foot in the door for a sales tax expansion in Oregon someday. But those are the five. But what's the product? The pot. Pot, he said. Recreational marijuana. Oh, God, I missed that part. Yeah, that's, you know, states are smart about that, but that's a a whole other show. Okay, so... 2017, what do small businesses have to know what around sales tax and compliance? The major, like some of the major things. You know, a lot of it relates to that concept we talked about earlier, that obligation to collect. And mm-hmm. what's happening in the U.S. Congress, slowly but surely, um, it's happening in this, potentially in the U.S. Supreme Court. The states are challenging the status quo. And what they're all arguing and what they're all talking about, policymakers, is, who is obligated to collect, and that, that's, that's the area of great concern. There's always changes, and there's always waves of movement through what is taxable and what isn't, and rates will always change, and forms will always change. But the big, the big story in sales tax in the next year or 18 months is going to be, where am I obligated to collect? So for a small business you know, operating online or a small brick-and-mortar, that's the area that you want to be keeping track of. And frankly, any, any sales tax compliance process, internal process, starts with understanding where might I be obligated to collect. So that nexus question is the true threshold question for any, anybody trying to understand their sales tax obligation. And the way that we understand that obligation, uh, to bring it full circle here, Likely is going to change in the next year or so. It sure, sure seems like a pressure is mounting. The U.S. Congress has talked about a marketplace fairness act for years. That would obligate businesses to collect taxes in all states that have a sales tax, and that's generally the direction that most policymakers seem to be headed. So that would be really changing the tax level from a local or a state local level to a national level, correct? Actually, that's a good question, and the answer to that is no. <laughs> what, it, what, it will rec- what it will mean for small businesses is that they'll have to comply in many more states, potentially, than they do now. None of these solutions involve a centralized, single-form, federally-run system. These uh, taxes will continue to be administered at the state level. Now, don't get me wrong, I mentioned the streamlined sales tax initiative earlier. The states are doing what they can, um, slowly but surely, to improve 
the usability and the, and the um, ease of complying in several states at once. Um, but that process is slow as well. So what it really means, ladies and Jody, is that um, should marketplace fairness pass and your business meets the threshold for compliance with that rule, that means you're going to need to be, understand the sales tax rules in 46 states rather than the handful of states that you might be collecting in now. Wow, I'm going to need Avalar for that one. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, so okay. So, for small businesses, Shane, this has been really uh, fantastic information for people to know. You know, um, and before we end the show for today, I would like people to have an idea of where they can get some resources. So, I know Avalara has a lot of free tools and resources. What is what are some things that people should listen to or read, um, just to sort of start to get a good idea? about sales tax? Well, I think um, no matter, unless you've been to the sales tax rodeo before and you've kind of got a, a built-in regime, um, start with understanding Nexus. And Adelaire.com has got all kinds of good resources. I really appreciate them allow me and other people to do presentations just on thought leadership. There's webinars recorded on there that I've recorded on Nexus and the obligation to collect. They include no sales pitch whatsoever. <laughs> I promise you. Um, it'll, be a, it'll be 45 minutes well spent. If you're a newbie, start there. Start by understanding this, this Nexus, this obligation question, where, where might I need to collect? Once you understand that, you move on to the things you sell and the rates you need to charge. Um, well, even for folks who have some experience in sales tax and, and have a, kind of a built-in process, Adelaide.com, the, the blog, Adelaide blog, is amazing. We've got a full-time um, uh, writer, Gail Cole, and she is on top of it. And she blogs about some of the most minuscule minutiae, but she blogs about the big-picture stuff, too. But more importantly, she breaks it out by state. In other words, you can, you can organize it. You can get on a feed. Um, she's keeping an eye on Department of Revenue and stuff, and we're not the only one doing that. But um, these sorts of portals like ours and even the big four accounting firms occasionally will spit out a cool white paper. Finding this sort of information is key because the states are not always forthcoming and don't always make it easy to understand what your compliance needs, you know, so... I recommend checking out the, there's plenty of sales pitch stuff on there. If you want to learn more about our products, don't get me wrong, I believe deeply in our products, but there's also a lot of good thought leadership uh, presentations and white papers on there. Okay, and if people wanted to get in touch with you, Shane, how could how could they go about doing that? Well, they can certainly email me. At, um, our email convention at work is first.lastname, so it's shane.radigan at avalera.com. And... You can reach out anytime you want. I may not always have an answer for you, but I can try to point you in the right direction. Right. And Avalara is obviously on Facebook and Twitter and will have a presence at Sage Summit uh, next week. So This has been oh, so awesome. Right. So yeah. thank you for giving us this deep dive into sales tax and, and getting all state and local geeky with me. Um, we actually call it SALT tax, so that's state and local taxation for, you know, the people who are actually tax people. But, um, no, this has just been awesome, Shane. So, thank you so much for being our guest. And um, if you like us on iTunes, that would be awesome. I'm going to ask for my uh, little love here at the end of our show. But 
Otherwise, we will see you all, or I should say listen to you, or you can listen to us all (laughs) next week at Sage Summit. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com.